welcome to Understanding Project Management Discussions. My name is Dave Barrett, and my guest today is Angela Scovesgarden. Our topic is the closing phase. Through our discussion, you'll see the importance of the closing phase as it ends the project, as well as the important aspect of lessons learned. So please welcome Angela Scovesgarden. So thanks for uh, thanks for coming on, Angela. It's it's great to have you here. Thanks, Dave. It's good to be here. Thanks for uh, reaching out and asking me to participate. Great. So, um, so our topic for today is uh, project closing and the project closing phase, and and within that, the lessons learned process and other processes that are in the closing phase. So, I guess to start it off, is my question is is what have you found that that really works within the closing phase? Like, uh, you know, what, what, what kind of works for you? Um, well, it's good to have a defined process first and foremost, so that you have some consistency um, with um, different um, individuals. Like if you work, you're obviously working with different teams, so you don't always have the same players, um, but you gain a familiarity if you have a consistent framework and you set the expectations with um, what's um, to come. Um, so I think that's an important part of it, just knowing that it's part of the foundation. Right. Do you, do you find that people really look forward to the closing phase? Like one, one of the things I've often found is that teams are kind of, you know, they're, they're producers, they're doers, they're creatives. And, and sometimes the closing phase can seem a little, like, frankly, a little dull. Okay. <laughs> have you run into that or, or you know, have you, has your experience been different? Well, <laughs> so when you first asked, I thought, well, yeah, they're happy about it because they're going to be done. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, there's that. Um, so, you know, in particular from like um, an SDLC perspective where we talk about waterfall and lean in particular. So there's a, you know, a specific project life cycle and the close and activities associated with it are part of that. Um, and um, so, yeah, I think that sometimes maybe you know there's some um i don't know trepidation because the team doesn't want to be done um but at the same time i think it is you know it's a sign of you know progress and completion and there's you know generally a lot of pride associated with that so the team um is looking forward to the closing sort of exercise and in particular the lessons learned it gives them an opportunity to share um you know their personal experiences and the dynamic of the team so i think it's a really important step Actually, that's true. I hadn't really thought of it that way. And it is true. It's, it's, if I've experienced that is that if you've been on a project for, for, you know, months, some projects are even stretch into to multiple years, mm -hmm. you, you, you forge great bonds and friendships and, and so on. And the closing is kind of like, you know, like the end of an, an era. It's a key milestone. It's like, it's like the end of high school or something like you're, you're moving on to the next thing. You're not going to be working with your buddies anymore. So I can, exactly. there's, you know, almost a, you know, kind of an anticipation, but sort of a, you know, oh, the project is over, especially good projects. Like if it's a, right. if it's not a good project, it's like good, this thing's over. Get exactly. Over. But right. good projects, people don't want to end. Yep, and that, exactly. And I've had, you know, the experiences for both the, you know, sort of the good and the not so good. Um, 
And, and you're right. I mean, you build um, a rapport with your team and whether your team members are literally sitting with you and, you know, this is nothing to do with working in a virtual environment. It's just depending where you work, you may have engagements that uh, geographically prohibit you from working with your teammates. Um, but at the same time, you do build a relationship with them. And if it's you know a high performing team and it's a successful team, then in some cases you really don't want to you know sort of stop that relationship. So um, you know it can be sort of uh, bittersweet when it comes to the end. Right. What are the, some of the key things that you do? Like what are what, what would you say are the key deliverables or or outcomes of the the closing phase from your experience? Um. Well, it's it has changed, like sort of evolved over the years. And I think that um, one of the best sort of pieces of, of conducting the lessons learned now, as opposed to, you know, what sort of traditional project management was a number of years ago, um, was that the lessons learned exercise was only conducted at the end of the project, like, you know, right at the end of that, you know, if the PMI phases and it's phase nine, right? So um, we didn't, really pay a lot of attention to lessons learned or, or necessarily track them during the life cycle of the project. And of course, what we've learned, regardless of, you know, which methodology you're applying, um, certainly if, you know, you're working in an agile way, you're constantly doing retrospectives, but we know that that really is a good approach to take, whether you're agile, lean, or waterfall, um, because you learn as you go. And as you go, I mean, certainly, particularly if you're in waterfall and you're, you're making a mistake and you're learning from your mistake, you correct it. You don't wait till the end to fix your mistake, right? So um, being iterative about it, regardless of the approach you're taking, is, is really important. Um, and I think the other important part is ensuring that, you know, the team, the whole team is at the table um, and that they're comfortable saying what they want to say. Um, I think that, I don't know, maybe ideally um, you could have the stakeholder there because it could be a, you know, a transparent exercise, but sometimes that creates, um, I don't know, a fear, if you will, of people saying what they really want to say. Um, so I think you have to be mindful about the dynamics of the initiative and determine from there whether or not um, it's just the team and whether or not the stakeholder is part of it. That's a, that's a really interesting point because like you say, um, having the project sponsor there or key customers or other, other ones could change the whole atmosphere of the, of, of the lessons learned, like of that process and, and could make it in some cases could stifle and, and, um, communication, which you don't want to happen at a, at a lessons learned. So that's one that I agree, you'd, you'd approach that one very carefully. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it would have to be a really almost special situation where you do that or have a separate lessons learned with the project sponsor and others. Yeah, and I think that that is more common is that separate one where you have, you know, your feedback from your, your business partner, um, you know, you do some kind of customer sat survey or something. Um, and then, I mean, at the end of the day, it's, I guess, whether or not the team really worked well together is really not their business. So, I mean, if you had, you know, whether it was personality issues or conflicts and prioritizing or whatever the challenge was, 
as long as your stakeholder is happy at the end of the day, they don't need to know that, you know, person A and person B didn't get along or, you know, that there was a, a big right. fight one day or something. You know? <laughs> or that we had difficulty working with the project sponsor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure, well, obviously, I mean, there are times like that too. And I think one of the challenges to just in conducting the lessons learned, I think is, again, it, it's the dynamic of the team and engaging with, with your business partner, because sometimes people just feel like they can only say good things, right? And there may be something that wasn't so great, but they feel that they shouldn't air that, you know, I don't know, that pain point or that grievance. Um, right. And so it, what they, everything is, oh, the team was great. We all got along and the PM was the best. And, you know, nothing was ever late. We never did anything outside of scope. Everyone was just great all the time. Yeah, that's almost the, I've almost like that, that's sort of the, the rainbows and unicorns uh, mm -hmm. approach. How do you, or our outlook, I guess, which is good in many cases, but at lessons learned, you want to get at those, you know, how, what could we do better? How do you get over that? What do you do? if you sense the team is, is, is going down that track of not wanting to, you know, not wanting to be critical, basically. Mm -hmm. what, do you, what do you do in that situation? Well, I think as a PM, you know, certainly you should have a good idea of those pain points, right? And so, but if, if in that lessons learned um, forum, however you're conducting it, if, if none of that stuff is coming to air, but you know it exists, then there's an opportunity for the PM to lead them in that direction and to say, whether, um, you know, for example, I know in um, an IT project that I was um, delivering one time, there was a lot of challenges when we were going into production. And uh, there was a lot of tension between two players in particular, because one was really demanding of the other, who was new to this um, implementation. And there wasn't a lot of tolerance for the new person to be learning. The experienced person just thought this person should know everything that was going on and, and she didn't. So there were errors that were made and we had to do some backouts and some rework. And you know that, that's a lesson learned. Yeah. Um, so how could you avoid that you know, next time around? We did do like a, a dry run and we went through the transition plan and the implementation plan, but obviously we didn't, you know, there wasn't enough attention paid to it and that was a lesson learned. Yeah. And so it cost us time at the end of the day, but it was a lot of frustration between these two players. One, one was local and one was overseas. So it wasn't even that you were in the same room and could have a conversation, it, that wasn't an option. Right. That was, I remember that sort of thing being called uh, that there was an elephant in the room. Right. No, no one was, was saying, Hey, there's an elephant over there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the issue yeah. was an elephant. So that's, yeah. that's a good one to just acknowledge it in, in a way that doesn't, uh, the danger is that people will get their, their backs up. They'll become defensive. So it's, it's really tricky to talk about it without it being, you messed up right so that that's that's the, the key thing right so I mean in anything like that I think um you know there's a lot of um sorry I can't think of the right word just um caretaking that needs to take um 
you know, needs to be taken into consideration. And it's not that you're there to make sure, you know, everybody is happy and glossy, but you're there to, to ask maybe some direct questions and to, to maybe call out the elephant in the room. And, and if that's the language you use, then that's okay. Everyone knows what it means, but if all you're hearing is the good things and you know there were some challenges, then maybe that's the exact phrase that you use with the group and say, you know, I seem to recall there were a few times where maybe there was an elephant in the room. Is that something we want to talk about? Or does anybody want to speak up about that? Did you learn anything at that time that you know to avoid next time? Great. Right. I, I like that when you mentioned before dis describing the iterative nature of this, and, and I agree if it's like officially, you know, according to Waterfall, uh, you know, PLC, the lessons learned is done in the closing phase once at the end. And, and, right. and but I agree the, the, one of the things I, I, one of the many things I really like about uh, agile methodology is the concepts of, of uh, retrospectives, which are just, right. they're kind of lessons learned more or less uh, by another name. Um, and, but in, in agile methodology, retrospectives are done at the end of each sprint. So much more often. Right. And so I like when you mentioned that you can kind of bring those concepts, even if you are in a, in a traditional waterfall project, there's no rule that says you 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 that you can't consider lessons midway through the project like you know multiple times i know oftentimes you don't have time you seem right. like you don't have time but you, it's something to, to kind of push yourself to do a little bit yeah and i think that what what is the you know the trick there and, and a lot of things and again regardless of the methodology is we can always say we don't have time right and so if you whatever maybe whether you needed to carve out an extra hour or you have to use an hour for your retrospective as opposed to uh, grooming your backlog or, or something you know so somebody decides that the the retrospective isn't the priority the thing is you can glean a lot of value out of it and it's it's you know like anything and and you don't need to over plan things but any approach, if you don't have a plan at all, you're going to run into trouble, right? So maybe looking at the lessons learned as an opportunity to gain efficiencies going forward, um, you know, that's an approach to look at it as opposed for it being a pain point, or this is just going to be a waste of time. Um, right. right. And then, then it's an opportunity for you to, uh, again, express whatever you've learned, and then maybe you gain it on the back end. Yeah. Um, Stephen Covey talked about in, in his, in his books, uh, he, he talks about sharpening the saw. He uses the analogy of if you're, if you're cutting something and you don't sharpen the saw once in a while, you, you, you will spend a lot of time not cutting wood. Um, and so, you know, it made me think about when you said that you say you don't have time, you need to make time to, to improve as you go, uh, mm -hmm much like Stephen Covey was saying about you need to sharpen your saw once in a while or else you'll get very inefficient. So, um, so that's what you're, you're, I think that's what is, is another good example of that. So um, one of the things in the closing phase is reporting on the final results of the project. So mm -hmm. is that something that you, that you do, that you've done in the closing phase of kind of say to the project sponsor, you know, well, here's, here's how we did. Here's the, you know, the final report or the end results or whatever, whatever it is that you, that you would call it in your organization? Yeah, absolutely. So we, yes, there is a closing report. And so that, that project closure report would go to um, your sponsor 
And um, it may be associated with that, or it could be a separate exercise, but that's where you're asking for their feedback in terms of, you know, this is how you and, you know, and your team perceived this initiative and, and how successful it was or, or not. And um, I think in a, a note, you questioned whether or not, you know, in looking at how successful you were, do you reflect on, say, a project charter, for example? So certainly, if there is uh, expectations set up front and revisited during the, the course of the, the project, um, then yeah, that's a good way to look back and say, yeah, we checked all five of those things off the list. So, you know, from our perspective, we met all the needs of the, the sponsor. Um, and so then the sponsor has the opportunity to reflect and say, yes, you met all five of those things and, and or exceeded them because you did, you know, you did something faster than we thought, or the end result was a, you know, a more efficient um, result than what we'd originally designed or, or something like that. Um, but it also then gives the sponsor the opportunity to express, you know, discontent. So sometimes even though you've delivered all five of those things, um, maybe there were some issues during the um, process itself that the sponsor wasn't thrilled about. And so that's their opportunity to uh, let you know, you know, what didn't work well for them. Right. So how do you find that those like that's, that's got to be a tricky process. So you're, you're done a project and you're, you, you're reporting on these are the things we said we do we'd have it done by this date and we'd have it done of this the scope we do this is the budget and you'd re be reporting that um, but there's always those un intangibles and that's I think what you're referring to is they might say yeah you said you delivered the scope but I kind of wasn't happy the way with how it worked out or you know this aspect of the project the project wasn't quite right um how do you work that through? Like, what is that a is that a like is, is that a group meeting that you're that you're having that conversation? Is that a one on one? Like, t talk about tell tell me about that process because that would be pretty tricky, wouldn't it? Be like with with, with a sponsor at the end of the project. Yeah, and I guess I think sometimes too, it depends on the nature of your relationship with the sponsor, right? Like, and again, sometimes if the um, the makeup of your team. Again, I've worked um, on teams where I'm the only person here in Canada and the rest of my team is scattered all over the world. So I will never meet these people. So, all, and, and this is all pre, you know, Zoom and stuff too. So everything is just really like it's a video conference call. And um, so it's difficult in those situations to build the relationship because you're not interacting with these people on a daily basis um, other than, you know, through voice and maybe email. Um, but um, so that's challenging. But in a situation where you do work with your sponsor and, you know, in the ideal real world, you're working in the same office and you actually have status meetings and, you know, these retrospectives or regular lessons learned. So there is opportunity to build a relationship and to have that uh, conversation around how are things going and are we meeting your needs? Is there something we're not doing that you would like us to be doing? Um, so if, if that kind of conversation is happening, then it's much easier at the tail end to have the, the sponsor conversation. And you know you're going to get a more honest answer from them because you've built a rapport with them. 
Um, on the other hand, you know, I've seen this happen a lot. It's it's a survey, and it whether it's Survey Gizmo or something, you know, it's an electronic exchange, and they fill in boxes. Um, and I think often in that case, and I mean, it works. How well does that work? I'm not sure. It's like any kind of survey. You give people options, and what I've seen sort of collectively over the years is that a project almost never fails and it you know sort of always met met expectations um and so um i just think that they feel when they're filling in a box and not having a conversation um there's not as much effort put into it um yeah. it's not necessarily a criticism of the sponsor it's just that they're just thinking ah i'll just fill this thing in and get it done with yeah, sort of a reluctance to put in below expectations because then there's the, probably the anticipation that, well, then someone's going to follow up with me and I've got to justify it. It's, it's almost a human nature thing sort of thing. I want to just come back just briefly to what you said, because it's, it's you know, the importance of the relationship with the project sponsor. And, and, and it's something that, you know, it like in a, in a, in another part of project management, stakeholder management is something that over and over, I, I emphasize when teaching how important uh, relationship relationships with your stakeholders are mm -hmm. in general, but especially the project sponsor and other key stakeholders that that will become even more important at the end of the project. And it's just one more reminder, I think, that you've given you know everyone, which is if you have a good relationship with your project sponsor. Um, the end of the project will go better, particularly if there's a little bit of dicey news there, or if, you know, yeah. if there were a few hiccups and let's face it on big projects, there's, there's often hiccups. There's often things perhaps you couldn't deliver that you thought you could just be, and, and for perhaps no fault of the team, but just happened because mm -hmm. of conditions. So it again is that reminder of relationship. Um, so, so thanks for that, for, for, for raising that. Yeah. Um, Thank you. The other thing was, and this would almost be a whole different discussion. <laughs> Maybe have to have you come, you have to come back sometime. But the whole concept of how do you develop relationships over uh, virtual means through Zoom and through video and through email, and that's a yeah. whole. Right, we're not yeah. going to cover that in the next. Yeah. Minute. No, but it's you're right. It, it's such an important thing. And I think, um, you know, particularly over the last nine months, we've all been subject to that. And and I know um, just from a working relationship um, with a sponsor as well as um, peers. And um, I've hired co-op students from local universities, never met these students. And you're doing an interview over a Zoom and I hire them over Zoom and then they come and work for us and there they are. And now I, I actually have a, a student leaving on Friday and um, he's been with us since September. And I've, I've never met him in real life. But what we do is like, I have regular one-on-ones with them. Um, and I often just make time just to small chat. So yeah. you find out a little bit about them and we talk about golf or, you know, yeah, just, but yeah. that's important because then when I get on the phone with them, we, we do do some small chat and it's just so you built a relationship and I know some things about him. Yeah, you almost have to try harder because you're there, there's, you don't have the opportunity of, of seeing them in the hall and just walking by them and saying, hey, how, how are you doing? Or, you know, that sort of idle um, small talk that happens as you're walking to a meeting or something like that in, yeah. 
in shared space when you're when you're in video it's just boom you're in the meeting like it's just, exactly it's yeah yeah cons, but mm -hmm. uh, Anyways, uh, Angela, I, I thank you for your time. This has been a really great discussion about closing and lots that came out about lessons learned and the importance. So, so very appreciate your time. Thanks for, uh, thanks for uh, uh, sharing your, your experience. Awesome. Thanks again, Dave. It was great to have the conversation and I'd love to talk to you again. Okay. All right. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye.